You're listening to the official South Bay Church podcast. For more about us, please visit southbaychurch.us. Good morning, South Bay Church. It's good to be back with you guys. Um, what I mean by that is we've been gone a lot, <laughs> but we're doing okay. Let me get all this out of the way. There we go. I'm just going to move it. Yeah, so it, it is good to be back with you guys. We have, let's see, we were in Colorado, my wife Catherine and I, we were in Colorado for a wedding a couple weeks ago, and then we were at a leader's retreat last weekend, but we're here with you this morning, and then we're going to go out of town for two more weeks. For, yeah, I know. Um, we're really excited for all of these summer retreats and conferences. We're going to Denver this next week for a conference for youth and family ministry, and then the week after that, Catherine's little brother, Michael, is getting married. So you guys, many of you know Michael Plymel. He's getting married. Um, so it's good to be with you. We are starting a new series this morning, Return of the Elephant. And this is part two of a series that we did last year, uh, Elephant in the Room. And we had a lot of great response uh, requests to have some more elephant-like topics. So that's what we're starting today. And uh, these are potentially some touchy topics, uh, things that we maybe would shy away from in normal conversation. Uh, this one in particular today is not necessarily one that we shy away from because it's all around us. Uh, the topic today is the digital world. The digital world. So as I was kind of contemplating, what makes this an elephant in the room? Because it's everywhere. You guys are probably on your phones right now. Hopefully you're on the South Bay Church app taking notes. Uh, you should find the notes there for the lesson today. We do have an app. Yeah, South Bay Church app. You guys can download it. A lot of great resources. You can watch the, uh, the, the sermons each week. You can find notes. You can connect. You can uh, register for different uh, events we have. It's a great place. So technology is all around us. It's not something that we're trying to hide from each other. But one question that is kind of the, the basis for the lesson today that I believe makes this an elephant in the room is this. Is technology serving you or are you serving it? And I believe what makes, kind of a step further, what makes this an elephant is when we cross the line from this thing right here, or whatever other device you're using, when this becomes, when it goes from being useful to being an idol. So that's where the elephant lies, at least in my opinion. What types of technology are we going to be talking about today? Phones, laptops, computers, tablets, handheld gaming devices, smart watches now, because you can be consumed in your watch now. Uh, video games, TV, social media, you got things like Snapchat and Facebook and Instagram and what my friend likes to call Tweeter, not Twitter, but Tweeter, YouTube, digital music, Spotify, Pandora, email. I mean, even if we're not looking at something like music, we could just be plugged in and treat it like an idol. So this is what we're, we're going to be looking at today. And each of you right now, 
might be thinking of someone else in this room or someone else in your life that really needs to hear this lesson. Parents, maybe you're like looking over at your teens over there. I hope they're uh, actually listening right now. Teens, maybe you're looking over at your parents like, I hope my parents are listening right now. Maybe your roommates or your spouse sitting next to you or your friend, boyfriend, girlfriend. But let's shift the focus back on us because I think each one of us can take something from this. Each one of us can, can take some time to check ourselves when it comes to our technology usage. Isaiah chapter 44 is the main text that we'll be reading today. And I'm going to use my big bazooka Bible. I wanted to use an iPad today because we're talking about technology, but it had 6% battery when I picked it up this morning, so didn't really plan ahead there. But the paper Bible is always a good thing. Isaiah chapter 44. There we go. Uh, We're actually going to be starting in verse 14. We'll skip a couple verses there. And it says he cut down cedars. And and who they're referring to is a carpenter. Carpenter. You'll see that in the verse right above that. He cut down cedars or perhaps took a cypress or oak. He let it grow among the trees of the forest or planted a pine and the rain made it grow. It is man's fuel for burning. Some of it he takes and warms himself. He kindles a fire and bakes bread, but he also fashions a god and worships it. He makes an idol and bows down to it. Half of the wood he burns in the fire. Over it he prepares his meal. He roasts his meat and eats his fill. He also warms himself and says, Ah, I am warm. I see the fire. Kind of sounds like a caveman. Um, From the rest, he makes a god, his idol. He bows down to it and worships. He prays to it and says, save me. You are my God. They know nothing. They understand nothing. Their eyes are plastered over so they cannot see. And their minds closed so they cannot understand. No one stops to think. No one has the knowledge or understanding to say, half of it I used for fuel. I even baked bread over its coals and I roasted meat and ate. Shall I make a detestable thing from what is left? Shall I bow down to a block of wood? He feeds on ashes. A deluded heart misleads him. He cannot save himself or even say, Is not this thing in my right hand a lie? You know, the wood, it serves such a great purpose. It was useful to this guy. Not only did it provide him with some physical exercise by chopping it down, it provided him with warmth. It provided him with sustenance as he cooked his food over it. It was useful, but then you see in in this passage that he crossed the line. From it being useful to him bowing down and worshiping it. And that's what we're going to talk about today. Uh, The first point, are you serving technology? Are you serving technology? So we're going to have a little self-assessment here. Are you serving technology? Is technology the first thing you go to when you're feeling sad? When you want to escape? When you're feeling insecure? When you're feeling hurt? When you've had a long day? When you're feeling hopeless about something? 
when you're feeling stressed or overwhelmed, when you're sitting at a red light. Anyone relate? When you're waiting in line at the store, when you're feeling lonely, when you want to vent about something or someone, when you want to hide, when you want attention and appreciation, both ends of the spectrum, hiding and wanting attention, when you want to just check out mentally, when you don't want to deal with a person or situation that is kind of right in your face, maybe when you just get home from work and you want to kick back for a little while. You fill in the blank. Is it the first thing you go to in general? You know, technology, it can can become an an addiction. At one of our youth ministry nights, and uh, our youth ministry night, it's a time each month that we get together as parents, teens, junior high teens, and pre-teens, and we have a potluck dinner. It's a great time of breaking bread and fellowship, and then we split into individual craft. Classes per age group and classes and and we just have lessons and we we talk and we discuss how can we be more unified as family as ministry to honor God. It's a great time. I'd, we we have one coming up in September, but we watched this video, this 60 minutes video on brain hacking, and it talked about how apps and games and technology it is designed to hook us. And to addict, to, to get us addicted. Like, you know, the, the social uh, media feeds that are just endless. They're like, oh man, this just keeps going. I want to see what, what's down there. What's down there? What's, it just never ends. That's addicting. Um, I, I suggest you guys go watch it. Brain hacking. Um, and then there was also kind of a follow-up episode, just a few minutes long, of these two teenage girls who went to a rehab facility for their uh, phone addiction. And they spent time there, and at the end of it, they just they shared how great it was to actually have a face-to-face conversation. And how it was awesome to actually look up and see the surroundings and see the sunset or the sunrise. And it's amazing, these things that just seem so basic and common, but we can miss out when we're entrenched in, in technology. Technology can be a source of security. It can be a source of identity and self-worth. This was never supposed to be the case. God is, is supposed to be where we find our identity and our self-worth and our security. Proverbs chapter 27, verse 21. This is the message version. It says, The purity of silver and gold is tested by putting them in the fire. The purity of human hearts is tested by giving them a little fame. And that's really what what technology can be in social media. And we get a little bit of fame. And we get that person to comment on our posts. And we get so many likes. We're like, ooh, this feels good. People are giving me attention. It It can really test our hearts. Technology can be a platform in which we vent our feelings or stand for some controversial issue. And it can... It can divide us and it can get in the way of our relationships and we can get so caught up in our feelings when we see that what that person posted and we're like, how dare you? And you just want to kind of lash back. But a question for you before you engage in any of that content, question yourself, why am I posting this? 
What is it? Is it going to benefit me? Is it going to benefit someone else who sees it? Would Jesus post what I'm about to post? Would Jesus respond to this person in the way that I'm about to respond to them? Think about, are you, are you responding? Are you getting on uh, these social media apps in, an hei- in a heightened emotional state? Because we can say things and do things that we wish we could take back when we are emotionally charged. Ephesians chapter 4. Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. Notice it says their needs, not our needs. We all have needs, but we need to be thinking about others. Technology, it gives us an excuse to just check out. Man, I'm just going to like zone in on my device right now, on my video game, on my on social media, or maybe just email. Even as, as boring as email sounds, sometimes we can just check out on email. Um, and this mentality of I need some space, but what can happen is if, if this is kind of a constant thing for you, when a human being actually approaches you, you have this mindset of I need space, so then you keep everyone at like a digital arm's length away. And you seek this connection, you might seek this attention, but then when actually someone comes into your life, you're like, oh, I can't control what's about to happen, but I can control the relationships I have in technology. So sometimes it can be this excuse to check out, and then we just kind of get caught up in this I need space mentality. Uh, Technology comes with a lot of negative effects. Maybe some of you have experienced losing sleep or fatigue because you stayed up on that game too late or you were just zoning out for too long and your eyes, kind of like what it says in Isaiah 44, they got plastered over. Um, but losing sleep and fatigue, technology can just spur on depression because there's this emptiness. We, we seek connection or we seek Um, to get our needs met, but then we realize that they're not actually met. And there's still a void. So it can lead to depression. It can lead to anxiety. It can lead to just disengaging face-to-face with people. It can lead to loneliness. I want to show a quick, uh, it's a few-minute video. I think Brian has showed this video in the past. Innovation of loneliness. Let's watch this. A simple thought. Monkeys, that are known to have a developed social life, organize in small groups of several dozen members. The size of each of these groups is limited. In order for them to function, all members of the group need to know each other well. The average size of the group changes from 20 to 50 members. When the number of monkeys in a group passes a certain threshold, a social order crumbles, and the group tends to split into two separate groups. A similar situation can be found amongst humans as well. The invention of language and gossip has helped us shape larger and more stable groups. Sociological research indicates that the maximum natural size of a group of humans is roughly 150 members. Most humans are just incapable of intimately knowing more than 150 people. So even today, the threshold of human organization is around the number of 150 members. Man is a social creature. And the feeling of loneliness can drive them mad. Yet the Western and modern world sanctions individuality. The individual is measured by personal achievements, such as having a career, wealth, a self-image, and consumerism. In this course of action, many people lose their social and familial connections in favor of a self-actualization ideal. 
As the social fabric in the Western world weakens, it is not surprising that more and more people define themselves as lonely. And thus, loneliness has become the most common ailment of the modern world. One of the possible reasons for this ailment is the online social network. In a world where time is money, in which our surroundings heavily pressure us to achieve more and more, our social life becomes tainted and more demanding than ever before. And then there's technology, simpler, hopeful, optimistic, ever young. We become addicted to virtual romance, disguised by the social network which supplies an impressive platform that allows us to manage our social life most effectively. However, our fantasies about substitutions are starting to take a toll. We're collecting friends like stamps, not distincting quantity versus quality, and converting the deep meaning and intimacy of friendship with exchanging photos and chat conversations. By doing so, we're sacrificing conversation for mere connection, and so a paradoxical situation is created, in which we claim to have many friends while actually being lonely. So what is the problem in having a conversation? Well, it takes place in real time, and you can't control what you're going to say. And that is the bottom line. Texting, email, posting, all of these things let us present the self as we want it to be. We get to edit, and that means we get to delete. Instead of building true friendships, we're obsessed with endless personal promotion, investing hours on end building our profile, pursuing the optimal order of words in our next message, choosing the pictures in which we look our best, all of which is meant to serve as a desirable image of who we are. We're expecting more from technology and less from each other. The social networks aren't just changing what we're doing, but also who we are. And that's because technology appeals to us most where we are most vulnerable. And we are vulnerable. We are lonely, but we're afraid of intimacy, while the social networks offer us three gratifying fantasies. One, that we can put our attention wherever we want it to be. Two, that we will always be heard. And three, that we will never have to be alone. And that third idea, that we will never have to be alone, is central to changing our psyches. It's shaping a new way of being. The best way to describe it is, I share, therefore, I am. We use technology to define ourselves by sharing our thoughts and feelings, even as we're having them. Furthermore, we're faking experiences so we'll have something to share, so we can feel alive. We slip into thinking that always being connected is going to make us feel less alone. But we are at risk, because the opposite is true. If we are not able to be alone, we're only going to know how to be lonely. So maybe you can relate to some of the stuff that was said there. There's a great TED Talk by a, a, a woman named Sherry Turtle, and she addresses a lot. Of, I, they may have designed that video off of her TED Talk. I'm not sure. Um, but a, a few of the quotes that kind of stood out to me is we expect more from technology and less from each other. Isn't that so true? Technology appeals to us most where we are most vulnerable. Some of those things that we talked about, do you go to technology first when you're feeling these things? Those are probably the most vulnerable feelings and situations we can be in, and we just seek kind of a place where we can control it. Um, And then it said, it's not just changing what we do, it's changing who we are. Is, is technology shaping your character or is your character shaping it? This isn't just for young people who are developing and kind of learning and they're being shaped by technology. This is for parents and adults as well. 
it, it can shape us just as easily. And I asked some of our students, what makes technology and social media an elephant in the room to you? And we talked like, we talk about technology often in our, in our teen ministry. And so they said, you know, one of the things is that, is how often our parents are on their devices at home or while we're spending time together. They talk to us about limiting our usage, but they use it a lot too. It's true. Because I fit right into that box that they just described. I can do the same thing with my three kids. So parents, we need to set the example in how we use our technology. You know, that real quick email at the dinner table? That's communicating that that is more important than your family. Or that's more important than the person, the roommate, whoever's sitting next to you. We gotta set the example in that way. You know, one situation that is just, it didn't just happen once, it happens more than I'd like to admit, but one of our kids starts calling us, and we're, you know, in the middle of a text or doing something on our phone, and by the time we actually respond, they've called our name like three to five times. And we're like, oh, I'm, I'm so sorry, Zeke. Like, sorry, what were you saying, dude? That's an issue. Technology might be an idol if you fit into those shoes. Um, another situation is um, something that I can kind of fall into is when we're having a family movie. Not, okay, technology with kids, that's a, no, a whole other thing because we can force feed our kids technology for the sake of our own kind of checking out time. But, um, but when we're watching a movie as a family, I can think, maybe I can grab my phone real quick and just kind of do some stuff on my phone discreetly, get some stuff done, make the most of this time while my kids are watching Moana for the hundredth time or whatever movie <laughs> is the new rage. Um, and that is not making the most of your time. That's a waste of time. It's not multitasking. It's just being selfish. Because the most important thing you could be doing in that moment is actually engaging with the person in front of you and setting, setting that technology aside for a moment. You know that TED Talk that I mentioned, Sher, uh, Sherry Turtle, it's called Connected But Alone? Question mark. Um, she talked about how parents, we as parents and adults, we can handle going from technolo- technology to like a real conversation Quickly, like we can just put our phone down and um, and have a real conversation. But kids, teens, young people are still learning. They're developing their social skills. We are too as adults, but we've had a lot more years apart from technology to develop those. And so we need to set the example for the younger generation in how we in how to converse with one another, not just connect, but actually have conversation. And go deeper. Um, sometimes as parents we can maybe get caught up in this. Well my, my kid is on their device. So maybe I could get away with being on my device for a bit. And then it's just. Oh well my parents on their device. So I guess that gives me a right to be on my device. And it just perpetuates the problem. Does this look like your family time? Everyone on their device? I think at times it's fine. Maybe we all need our, our individual time, but if this is kind of commonplace, then there's an issue there. Uh, we gotta, we gotta teach our kids how to, how to connect and have conversation and have real life 
relationship. Teens, I got a question for you. We've talked about the parents and adults for a, a moment. Just one thing. We talk about this a lot. But is your snap, Snapchat streak greater than your God streak right now? Parents, is your Facebook streak or your Candy Crush score, does that, does that show how much time you've spent with that rather than with God? How has technology negatively affected you and possibly your family? Just think about that. We'll talk about the positive in a moment. We're focused on the negative right now. Um, there, were, there was a situation, and th- this again, this isn't just a one-time thing, but there was a situation, uh, I, I'd say in the last month, where Catherine said something to me. I was, it was at the end of the day. I was just on Facebook before I plugged my phone in and go to bed. And Catherine said something to me, but I, I heard her talk, but then she didn't follow it up. So I'm like, okay, she, it must have not been important, or I was just too much of a zombie in that moment. And I think it was the next morning, I brought that same thing up that she had tried to talk to me about. And she's like, yeah, I, I tried to talk to you last night about that, but you were on your phone and you didn't respond. I was like, oh, shoot, like... That is crossing the line from useful to idle. That, I am not, it's not serving me anymore if I'm hurting my wife. It's not serving me anymore if I'm, if I'm producing potentially insecurity in my wife that, man, that's more important than me to my husband. So we gotta check ourselves when it comes to our usage and what is useful and what actually becomes an idol. Let's read uh, Isaiah 44:18 one more time through 20. They know nothing. They understand nothing. Their eyes are plastered over so they cannot see. And that's sometimes how we look when we're on our devices. Their minds are closed and they cannot understand. No one stops to think. It's time to stop and think for a moment. It's time to stop and reflect and to think. No one has the knowledge or understanding to say half of it I use for fuel. I even baked bread over its coals. I roasted meat and I ate. It was so useful. Shall I make a detestable thing from what is left? Shall I bow down to a block of wood? Such a person feeds on ashes. A deluded heart misleads him. He cannot save himself or say, is this, is not this thing in my right hand a lie? He cannot save himself because only God can save us. Only God can fill the void that is left and that we're trying to seek to fill in technology, in just checking out, in devices. Point number two is technology serving you. And we see here in Isaiah chapter 44, the wood had a specific use. It was helpful. And in a way, it even gave this carpenter life. Because it gave him food, it gave him warmth, it gave him physical exercise. It helped him be healthy and live. It helps sustain him. And technology can feel like that to us, that it sustains us. It feels like it fills a void or eases pain or gives us security, but it's all fleeting. It's a band-aid, not a cure. God is the cure, and only in a relationship with him can we be complete, not lacking anything. When we approach technology, I want us to consider this scripture in Matthew chapter 22. It's an important one. 
There's a man who's talking to Jesus and he says, Teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? And Jesus said, Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. He could have ended there because he only asked for the greatest commandment. But Jesus gave him one more. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. Keep this in mind when you're posting stuff on social media. When you pick up your phone at the dinner, at the family dinner table. When you're playing video games. When you're about to follow that person or that company. When you're about to turn on Netflix or TV or YouTube for the rest of the night. Am I loving God with all of my being in doing this thing? Am I loving others in what I'm about to do? One of the greatest ways we can love God and each other is by living out the scriptures and sharing God with each other. In Matthew chapter 28, these are, one of, these are some of Jesus' final words. It says, Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. Jesus wanted us to connect. That was his mission for us. To connect with one another, to have relationships with one another, and to share God with each other. And not just in this room, but with all nations. And never have we had such a great opportunity to share God with the world in just a split second. In a split second, you can post a scripture that maybe you read in your time with God that morning. And maybe a thousand people see it. Twenty years ago, you could not have had a thousand conversations sharing that scripture with each person in a day. But in a second, you can promote God. To the world, to all nations. God has given us this resource. Satan wants to use it and twist it and jack with it, but God has given it to us that we would use it to his glory. Jason Romano, he works for ESPN. He's produced some of their, uh, some of their shows and he works a lot with their social media. He works with professional athletes to, uh, to build up their, their uh, social media um, profiles. And this is what he says. If you're a believer and you're on social media and people don't know you're a believer, you're using social media wrong. I took this screenshot last night. These are three of his tweets in the last, I guess now it's 24 hours. For those that are skeptical or not really sure if there's a God or a Jesus, I highly recommend reading The Case for Christ. Another one here, if only I may finish my course and the ministry that I received from the Lord to testify to the gospel of the grace of God, Acts 20, 24. This guy's living out that quote that he said. He's promoting God. People know that he's a believer. Do people know that you're a believer on social media, in technology? I have an idea, and this is, from, this is an idea that we stole from Coca-Cola this might help you and your family or your roommates to, uh, to set some boundaries in your so- social media usage. Social media is great. It connects you to the world and the people you love.
You can chat with your family or share a meal with friends and watch cute little cats do unbelievable things. Look, she sticks her head out of the box. Look, she sticks her head out of the box. But there are times when social media can get in the way of the real world. Remember that? It's the thing that happens when you run out of battery. That's why we've developed the Social Media Guard. It takes the social out of media and puts it back into your life. Let's see how it works. Social media guard. You can pet store get yours now. And get a dog guard. But it says here in First Peter chapter five, be serious, be alert. Your adversary, the devil, is prowling around like a roaring lion, looking for anyone he can devour. We have to be serious about this. Parents, adults, you guys have to lead the way. In setting boundaries when it comes to technology. Technology can be amazing and awesome and God wants us to use it for good. But we also have to have boundaries so we don't cross that line. Be serious. I have a few boundary ideas for you. Just kind of some generals. And you can figure out how your life can, be, uh, can fit into each of these categories. But a time boundary. That might be in the morning or at night. Like, I'm not going to get on technology before this time or before I do this in the morning. Or at this time at night, we're turning our devices in as a family or as roommates or just, you know, your own personal account. Take my device. I'm done with it for the night. It might be a duration of time. I'm only going to play video games for an hour. I'm only going to play video games for a couple hours. Whatever, you know, your, uh, your boundary needs to be. Um, I appreciate, I was, I was doing a Bible study with Caleb Lee the other day and, um, and he, he said as a family, they, they turn their devices in at night. That's such an awesome thing to do. The, the, the home needs to be a safe place because now 24 seven, Satan can be attacking us. Satan can be attacking your kids 24 seven. On their devices. It's not just when they leave the home. It's not just when they go to school. Not just when they're in that extracurricular activity. It's 24-7. Let's set some boundaries to protect our homes. Location. Again, at home. Maybe it's at the dinner table. You have, you have a place where you sanctify your devices. You put them away. One thing that I've started to do because I've caught myself like pulling my phone out to check an email or whatever. Check a text while we're at the dinner table. Um, I did this a couple nights ago. I was like, kids, you see my phone? And I just chuck it across the room. 
So they know it's not going back in my pocket. It's not going to be close to me. It's across the room. So maybe you just throw your phones across the room. Maybe that's a fun thing you do. Uh, possibly, yeah, watch where you throw it. Um, it wouldn't be a, such a bad thing to break it once in a while. Um, maybe it's in the car as a passenger or as a driver. You know, instead of jumping on your phones at red lights, maybe you just enjoy the drive. Enjoy the music. Have some time praying to God. Uh, maybe in the car at midweeks, we, we sanctify our phones uh, for teen midweeks where we put them in a bucket and we have paper notebooks, paper Bibles, and we have great discussion, great time together. Uh, maybe it's with a certain state of mind or a certain condition of your heart. Like we talked about earlier, are you feeling down and out? Are you feeling frustrated, hurt, lonely, sad? If that's what you're feeling, maybe that's where your boundary needs to be. When I'm feeling these things, I go to God first. When I'm feeling these things, I'm going to pray. When I'm feeling these things, I'm actually going to call someone first and talk to someone about it. Maybe it's a need that you're feeling. I need connection. I need love. I need attention. I need to kill time. I need to express myself. I need security. So maybe your boundary needs to be on the needs that you feel need to be met. And you take those needs to God. You talk about those needs. Uh, it's not... It's. You know, I don't want to say get rid of technology altogether because, again, there's a great purpose. But is it the first thing you're going to? Set boundaries. Psalm uh, 73, we're, we're almost finished here. Psalm 73. Um, it says, I actually don't have it up there. Those who are far from you will perish. You destroy all who are unfaithful to you. But as for me, it is good to be near God. I have made the sovereign Lord my refuge. I will tell of all his deeds. Let's be able to say this and mean it. It is good to be near God. I have made the Lord my refuge. I will tell of all your deeds. I won't tell of all that my friends are posting on social media. I'll tell of all your deeds, God. Parents, again, we have to lead the way in setting these boundaries and following these boundaries. We've got to live it out. Um, in, in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 1, it says, I... Uh, follow me as I follow Christ. We should be able to say that for those around us. Follow me in these boundaries that we're setting. Follow me in my relationship with God. And in doing so, you'll be following Christ. That's a high calling. But that's what we're called to. Our homes need to be a safe place. Let's talk openly and honestly and humbly with each other about how technology can, can become that idol for us so we can help each other and hold each other accountable. You might need to apologize to someone for the way that you've used technology around them that maybe didn't show them love. Maybe they felt hurt like that was more important than them. Maybe you need to apologize to your spouse or your kids or your roommates. That would be a great step in humility. And ask each other, how can I set boundaries in my life when it comes to technology that would make you feel loved? Ask each other that. How has technology benefited you and your family? Because there are great benefits. I don't want to just throw it all out because there's some evil in there. Let's talk about the way it benefits us and how we've used it in a way that really uh, loves God and loves others. A few things that I just want to wrap up with. Consider fasting from technology. I just got a text from my friend in Houston. Um, um, consider fasting from technology. If you feel like it's, it's 
it's been an idol for a long time, if you're kind of in that state of addiction, maybe just take a break from it so you can rewire your thinking. Rewire yourself so that when you come back to it, you can actually use it in a positive way. Unfollow the bad things. Those companies and those people that you should not be following, go unfollow them today. And start following good things. If you're not following South Bay Church, hopefully you, you think our family, is a, is a, we got a good thing here. I was just on our Facebook page back there and I was like, oh, I haven't liked our own Facebook page yet. So I liked it. I know. Come on, Dustin. Um, promote God on social media. Promote God. Throw a scripture up there. Throw a thought. Man, this is what I'm wrestling with. What do you guys think? And go for the God streak. The YouVersion Bible app now has a streak. And it says you've connected with God seven days in a row or 30 days in a row or one day in a row. Um, but go for the God streak. Spend time with God. Brothers and sisters, I want us to keep posting on social me- media and keep crushing that candy. Enjoy re- re-watching Parks and Rec and, and The Office over and over again like Catherine and I do. Play League of Legends and NBA 2K and build those friendships with each other. Keep that snap streak going. Keep checking your email. That's a good thing to do, but set boundaries for yourself and your family. Live with Matthew 22 in mind. Am I loving God and loving others by doing this right now? Am I loving God and loving others? How can I keep it as useful and not make it an idol? Um, we're going to close out in just a moment, but I want to announce our commu- we're going to have communion up at our potluck today. So we're, we're going to have some announcements, our offering, but we're going to do communion up at our Asian potluck. Uh, it's going to be exciting. Uh, please stick around and, and enjoy the potluck together. But to close out, we're going to let technology serve us. Okay? Can you join me for a moment? We're going to go live for a sec. Okay? So if you don't want to be seen on this live feed, then you can hide yourself. Okay, let's... No one's running out of here. That's good. Okay. Here we go. I was going to try to... Never mind. I'll just do this. Okay, you guys ready? Give a shout out to the Facebook family. What's up, everyone? Yes, we are here. Woo! We are here this morning. We're just finishing up uh, the digital world, a lesson on how we can use technology uh, to be useful, but uh, to keep it from becoming an idol in our life. If you want to join us next week, we'd love to have you. This is South Bay Church signing out. Thanks for listening to the South Bay Church podcast. For other sermons, videos, upcoming events, and more about our church, please visit southbaychurch.us.